All right, welcome in everyone. It's week two of the NFL season. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, your destination for both some feel-good fantasy football advice and some life advice as well. Uh, If you're new to the show, I'm Seth Woolcock. I'm the founder of the company, joined always by my esteemed co-host, Thomas Kuda. Tom, what's going on, bro? Well, I'm in high spirits despite my uh, almost complete hosing of week one <laughs> hey man that that's that's how it goes uh if you could get out with your first and second round players still attached to you still on the field i think it was a pretty good week it was uh it was one of those wild ones you know from the minute wednesday came pretty much you know up until the conclusion of the monday night games <laughs> oh my goodness i know it was this this has been a great week one yeah and he, hey here we are now we're heading into week two. Uh, we're going to get you prepped here on the show this week. Uh, we're going to bring some shore sleepers. Uh, we're going to bring back some in the scope, uh, some waiver wire targets, uh, some free agent finds out there for you. And we're going to cap it out with uh, with some weekly advice. You know, if you are new to the show, you can find myself on Twitter at between Seth underscore FF. You can find Tom on Twitter as well at Thomas Kuda. Uh, you can find the show, everything we got going on the site at IBT underscore media. Uh, we're going to have some more week two columns coming your way uh, all throughout the week. So stay tuned with us. You can subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Blueberry, and Tom's favorite, Deezer. Uh, we're going to be holding on to whatever silver lining of summer is left. It got down into the 40s last night here. So uh, definitely. <laughs> What's the 40s? I didn't know that temperature existed anymore. <laughs> It was crazy. I even had like some windows open, just like you know, bring in some fresh air. And I woke up this morning freezing. So uh, we're gonna hold on to whatever whatever sliver of summer we got left uh, with the sure thing sleeper of the week. It's the sure thing sleepers of the week. All right, Tom, how about you kick us off here in week two? Uh, I think Chris Thompson was your sure thing sleeper of the week, week one. He was kind of a disappointment for fantasy owners everywhere. Uh, none behold yourself, of course. This is true. <laughs> Took a big L last week. My apologies there. Um, but this week, we're coming back at you with Ryan Tannehill. Now, before you turn the podcast off and <laughs> <laughs> go about your day, Hear me out, okay? I know I normally don't pick quarterbacks for this type of thing, but given my advice to always draft quarterbacks really late or to stream the position so that you can stock up on value at other places, this right here is exactly why I say that, okay? 29 completions, 249 yards, two touchdowns. In my league, that translated to roughly about 20 points. So that is a fantastic, you know what I mean? Like, no mm-hmm. one is complaining at a 20-point week from a quarterback. Absolutely nobody. And I saw him dropped in a couple of leagues today, too. I was really surprised by that. Yeah, and then this week, the reason I say he's my short thing for this week is they're going back to Tennessee, and they're playing against Jacksonville, who gave up 363 passing yards last week. They're bad. So, 
they're real bad. I, their defense is their offense real is good. Cheese. I was surprised they they won. Honestly, I think that was probably one of the biggest shocks of the week was seeing Jacksonville uh, not start out zero and one, as many predicted. I know. I honestly, I was a little shook. I figured Indianapolis <laughs> would just run them down. That, but that speaks to also how great Gardner Minshew is. Certainly, but. Uh, yeah, so I just think that there's a very high likelihood that Tannehill just, you know, runs back this game again, puts up a lot of air yards against a, a secondary that can do nothing to stop him. I mean, the team has a lot of interest in making sure that A.J. Brown really develops and that uh, Corey Davis really develops this year. So I think they're going to do their best to create a lot of opportunities Especially in games they can win. Like, why put the miles on Derrick Henry all the time if you don't need to? You know, if you can open up that space in the air. I don't know. I I am just very confident. I, like, I, I didn't want to say anything through week one because I was like, all right, I got to not be that guy. But I started him in week one. Mm-hmm. Now, I did lose that game, but that was for reasons not because of Ryan Tannehill. He was actually, like, the second best player on my team. Yeah, I mean, Tom, I like the pick here. Ryan Tannehill, he came out on Monday night, and he looked great against uh, against a pretty, you know, I was delightfully surprised with how well the Broncos' defense uh, did. So I, I thought, but I thought Tannehill played good in his own respect. And for the first uh, 60 yards of the field, it felt like on Sunday, uh, Phil Rivers looked like vintage Phil, Phil Rivers. You know, they, then they'd get kind of closer to the 30 and 40 and uh, stall out a little bit as they, they didn't even have any punts in that game. But uh yeah man I, I i think if ryan Tannehill, if he can if he can continue to find a way to score in the red zone uh, i think he needs to get aj brown a little more involved here that was kind of a disappointment in week one uh but i mean Corey davis he could be a good number two uh i'm going to talk about that a little later in the show and you know john U. smith he's got some other tight ends out there uh so yeah i think i think ryan Tannehill here in week two uh against a less than formidable Jacksonville defense is definitely a sure thing sleeper of the week. Absolutely. And then who do you got for us this week? All right, man. So I'm going against my, uh, my inner conscious is telling me not to do this, but my heart, my head, everything else I feel like is, is leading me to say it. And, you know, I was successful in week one, uh, by the luck of, you know, uh, Zach Moss touchdown, uh, catch, outside of a you know he was a he was pretty ineffective back outside of that on Sunday uh but this week I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring some heat for you someone who I think uh is gonna have a little bit of a floor which is pretty pretty uncommon with this player and that's Sammy Watkins of the Kansas City Chiefs playing against the Chargers uh here on Sunday week one Sammy was Sammy man uh he caught seven of nine (laughs) targets for 82 yards and a TD in week one uh that seems like his MO this is the guy who I mean, Tom, how many times have we seen this before? Sammy Watkins, a.k.a. the Lizard King, go hard AF in week one. <laughs> Last year, 46 points in week one, 10 in Pretty week sure two. Pretty <laughs> sure he like, didn't have 46 points combined for like the next like seven or eight weeks. But, I mean, yeah. right now, I, I think we are seeing the shift in a Kansas City offense. Uh, I know it was only one week. And, you know, credit to Bill O'Brien's and the Texans' defense because they really did, for the most part, they did limit a lot of big plays from the Chiefs. Uh, Demarcus Robinson definitely played a role in that, you know, dropping a couple uh, big plays as well. Uh, But I think right now uh, the Chiefs are going to be getting away from a little bit of the straight air raid. Um, I know that's kind of been their MO the last couple years. Uh, 
let Patrick Mahomes drop back, try to find your Travis Kelsey, your Tyreek Hill, maybe hit one of the other random guys, and maybe Robinson will go off, maybe Watkins will, Byron Pringle's a name, McCole Hardman. Like, they have all these guys, but I think right now uh, they're going away from that straight air raid because they have someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire who is forcing the defense not to play two deep safeties every time. One of them has to come out up account for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and they're going to be trying to double Travis Kelsey. They're going to be try to, trying to double Tyreek Hill, and I think that's going to open up the middle of the field for Watkins, something he, he really hasn't seen in the last couple seasons. And uh, Tom, what do you think like from that season-long long perspective there? like like Does Watkins intrigue you at all, or, or do you feel like the classic George Bush, like uh, a fool cannot be fooled again? I definitely am not going to put my chips on Sammy Watkins long term. Um, I do agree with your like assessment that they might try to you know not rely on the deep ball air raids so much, especially when the team's so dominant right now. I mean, clock management is absolutely mm-hmm. killer. You know, Pat Mahomes makes short throws and tight windows just enough to move the chains frequently, and then they you know, run the ball down their throat, kind of like the Patriots game plan, just score once and then control the clock for the rest of the game. So, I mean, if they get good at that, then, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You're right. Every team does want to put – you got to keep a bottle on Tyreek, which leaves Sammy open for more value. I think this week will be a much bigger indicator for me um, just to see if there's any consistency to this game at all. Like, I want to see him get 9, 10 targets every game for this week and next week, and then I'll I'll jump on, see see what's happening. When you really think, I, I know if you take the context and the history of Sammy Watkins not being consistent in fantasy football whatsoever the last two to three to pretty much his whole career, really. Uh, but if you take that out of the equation and you think that if you have a guy who could consistently get six to seven targets each week from the best quarterback in the league, that sounds like a guy who could could be a wide receiver three. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I definitely can't disagree with that. You know, if, that's what I'm saying. If he if he's locking down those targets consistently week in and week out, that definitely changes things. And he's definitely you know if you had like a total dud stinker or someone who's injured and going to be out for a while now. And, you know, you put him off an IR, pick up Sammy Watkins if he's not already – he's probably already taken, but – I just got him I in, mean, I just if, got him in a couple of very competitive leagues, like like off of free agency today. And, you know, the, these are leagues, though, I feel like, again, people are kind of like you and I, me, Tom. Like, they've been burned by Sammy Watkins so many years in the past, believing it's something. And, um, you know, I feel like that's why he is more available. He, I think uh, last night I looked and he was available in like 40 – or 50.1% of leagues. It's just over that like half halfway mark. But I think this week against a Chargers uh, team, you know, the Chargers don't have a bad defense. They have a pretty talented defense. They are a little banged up already. Uh, but this offense outside of Josh Kelly and a couple of catches from Mike Williams look pretty bad under Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, it, <laughs> it's definitely going to be a struggle. Um, I think... <sighs> I don't know. Like I said, I, I do agree with you. I think he's definitely worth a speculative ad, and this game screams of the game script where, you know, don't wear Patrick Mahomes out, don't wear Tyreek Hill out, just let Clyde Edwards take it and move the chains as needed. 
So this definitely could be another game where Sammy Watkins picks up nine Let's targets. Let's go, baby. Week two, Sammy's going to be back, man. He's coming back. He's hungry this year, man. The Lizard King <laughs> is hungry. Listen, next week we'll we'll see if <laughs> we'll see how much the Lizard King got to eat. We'll run it back here in week three. Uh, maybe I'll fire him up for another sleeper of the week if he if he provides here in week two, because uh, Tom will still be doubting him then. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely. As I said, after week three, if he's done it three times, he's got me. He's yeah. on the streak. Yeah. All right. And now let's get into some In the Scope. I have the targets in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the Scope. So, uh, In the Scope is a segment. Uh, this is actually my longest running segment all the way back to uh, when I used to do Bottom Line Fantasy at my campus newspaper and I think that was 2018. Uh, so I've, I've been pretty familiar with this segment. Uh, we're basically looking for people who might be there after your waivers have already ran. They might be sitting there on free agency, especially in your 10-team leagues. Or they're, they're guys who are, you know, you're going to go out in some of these dynasty or keeper leagues and you could acquire super cheap. Uh, these might even be some guys who had a pretty decent week one, but maybe you didn't get the explosion like like you did with someone like Sammy Watkins or you know some of these more notable guys, but Tom, why don't you uh, why don't you kick it off with our first in the scope of the, the fantasy football regular season here in 2020? Sounds good. Now I'm going to hit you with somebody who probably was already picked up off your waivers. If not, please go I get him. I saw him this morning. Um, that is Russell. I did. I know. Wait, well, any league I'm in, he's <laughs> mine now. <laughs> I got him in all three leagues. Anyway, Russell Gage. He is a third-year receiver for the Falcons. Uh, but last year, when Calvin Ridley um, was out with his abdomen injury, he was the number two on the team. And he did well. I, I mean, nothing amazing, but, you know, 10 points a game. He provided a nice floor for your um, wide receiver needs. But when I was watching, I mean, I watched every snap of this Seahawks game because I was excited to watch Russell Wilson ball, mm-hmm. which he did. Um, and every time it was just like when they were dialing his number, it was times where I had to double take. Cause I was like, Oh, that definitely went to Ridley or definitely went to Julio. Like he, they're not going to dial up this guy's number right now. But you know, every time it'd be Gage who got up off the ground and was like moving the sticks forward. And I was just very impressed to see his usage. Like they tried to create a lot of space for him to get the ball. Now, I'll get some interesting stat for you here. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and Julio Jones all had 12 targets and nine receptions. <laughs> I'm mind blown. They all had the exact same thing. Now, obviously, all different stat lines. Calvin Ridley was amazing. Two they tutties. Were trailing. They were tons trailing of yards. For a lot of that game, too, I feel like, a little bit. Yeah, there, it was definitely like a total mm-hmm. aired out game, for sure. Um. Julio obviously is a monster. He didn't score, but um, he did well. And then Russell Gage did do the worst of the three of them, but still all of them had over 100 yards with those nine receptions. And I am mostly enamored by, usually when you see like a week one breakout, it's somebody who got like five targets, caught three of them, and one was like a 40-yard touchdown pass. You know, it's something that, the consistency you have a big question mark about, but twelve targets isn't an accident. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 
12 targets is is on purpose. And next week they're going to Dallas to play the Cowboys. And I could see that game definitely getting out of hand for them again. Like where it's going to be Matt Ryan whipping the ball downfield the whole game. Um, Todd Gurley had, what, 14 carries last game? But they pulled him out a lot. Like it definitely seemed like he was on a bit of a pitch count. So I think that could be part of the reason that they tried to utilize more in the receiving game. I mean, the Seahawks secondary did amazing. Um, they definitely plugged up a lot of their tight end options pretty frequently. But I'm trying to make cases for like why you shouldn't you know, assume that he's going to get 20 points every single game the rest of the season. But I really like this ceiling. Like, Yeah, yeah. I, I think the ceiling is there. Uh, I just worry about the about a consistent floor for Russell Gage being that number three option. I mean, we've seen them try to use three wide receivers in the past. Granted, none of them were probably as talented at this point as Julio and Ridley are. And then Gage looks like he's a pretty pretty good receiver as well right now. But I, I think it's going to be a back and forth, like a little bit of a seesaw with Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage. I think, you know, Jamal Adams definitely helped kind of fill that void uh with that tight end problem that the Seahawks had last season, I mean, they were the I think the the second worst against opposing tight ends behind only the Cardinals, which were historically bad, laughable bad. So I, I think when Hayden Hurst has a good game, I don't know if we can expect expect super consistent numbers from Russell Gage, but I, I mean, I think one thing that is consistent with Atlanta is their defense is not very good again. So I I think if if they're going to win, it's going to be on the back of Matty Ice, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, maybe a little Todd Gurley, and I I think Russell Gage is a nice piece of that. And and hey, I mean we've you know we don't ever we don't ever wish injury on anyone or anything like that. Uh, you know I'm actually coming out with a column today about about that subject a little bit. And but I mean we've seen Calvin Ridley; he can get banged up a little bit. Uh, Holy is a beast, but he can get banged up a little bit too. So uh, there's definitely a lot of high ceiling for Russell Gage. It'll just be really interesting if these next couple of games he can uh, continually produce, or if you just spent a little, a lot of your fab, and you know maybe got a guy you can you can plug in, and he could be a a, a good week winner or a, a good week disappointment. Yeah, definitely. I, I do want to make sure. I know that I come in with a lot of excitement, you know, talking about his stat lines and everything. I do want to make sure everyone knows that I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to pick him up and put him as your wide receiver one or two every week. But it's definitely worth the speculative ad for just, you know, if, if you got the spot and you really need the pinch hitter, you know, if, if somebody got yeah. injured and yeah. you need a flex spot to go in. I definitely feel comfortable rolling. Like I'm probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure I already have him in one of my lineups because you know Le'Veon Bell. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I think that it's his production potential is good. I do agree with you that Hayden Hurst really could eat into his work. The Seahawks secondary was an interesting like game flow. Mm-hmm. The way that they just they, I mean, it seems like they rushed every play. Like Matt Ryan was definitely doing his second and third reads really quickly you know like there's a reason that russell gage got so much work that game but i don't know i'm encouraged at the very least by his production yeah there are a lot of injuries to fill right now a lot more than in you know previous years uh some of these bigger names out out there right now uh 
We're not going to dive too much into those today just because we're sure you're getting that content from your bigger, uh, your more mainstream podcasts. But, yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas, man, George Kittle, uh, Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, like one of them not suiting up, one of them barely suiting up this weekend. Miles Sanders, like, wow, shit's hitting the fan early. I know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I'm gonna throw out my first, uh, my first in the scope target here, heading into week two, and I, I don't want to get, you know, I, I'm with Tom. I don't want to get too hyped up about this, but right now, uh, in a lot of leagues, running backs. I was talking to Tom about this before the show. Running backs are being super overvalued right now uh, because we're looking around, and there looks like there's 20. 20 formidable running backs if that maybe maybe 15 ones that you really are excited about to have on your team and then the other ones are meh uh but but one i'm excited about maybe coming into week two here is miles gaskin of the of the miami dolphins uh, I, I really like uh his week one performance he actually led the backfield uh and then jordan howard was off the field for a little while uh with an injury I haven't really heard much about that injury. I've been trying to look into more information about it, and nowhere has talked about it yet. Um, we have heard from Brian Flores down there in Miami that he does want to use a, a committee here. So, again, you can't get too hyped up about Gaskin, but we know Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, they both have a little bit of injury uh, history. And he, the thing I liked about him, though, is he, he had a great pass-catching floor four through, for 26 through the air. And he was 9 for 40, very efficient on the ground. We know that the Dolphins are probably going to be trailing a lot. And unless it's unless it's Patrick Patrick Laird, which I, I think Patrick Laird is an okay player. Poor man's Christian McCaffrey. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, Tom. What do you think about Miles Gaskin here? Uh, truth be told, this is definitely, um, I don't know. He's someone that I'm interested in but worried about. Mostly just because I have been a person who's ridden the <laughs> Miami Dolphins carousel of running backs for the last few years. I mean, going back to like Jay Ajayi. You were super, you know you were I mean? super like, hyped I, on Jordan Howard coming into the year too. I just can't I can't get myself off of this Dolphins running back train because I've just always thought that, you know, there's production to be had there, but it's just never really come to fruition in any meaningful way. I mean, a 10-point game is nothing to balk at, especially not for, like, a flex play. Like, that's a good... And no touchdowns, too. That's that's what really intrigued me. Like, there are those other guys on the waivers and, uh, you know, pe- people are interested in, but, you know, Miles Gaskin didn't have a touchdown. Yeah, that's it's all utility yards, and if, I guess that was going to be my point, is if this is his floor, you know, if you can expect nine touches and four or five targets every game regardless of touchdown production that's i mean that's enough for me to want to have him regularly ready to fill flex spots and bye weeks and stuff because if his floor is 10 points every week plus the possibility of touchdowns that's you know that that's absolutely enough for me um, like I said, I think my only hesitation is really just that it's the Dolphins, and I, <laughs> I have been burned so regularly. I'm not bitter about it. Like I still do have hope that somebody will, you know, break out mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. they'll figure out how to make it work. Um, and Miles Gaskin so far, I mean, who would have thought that with like Jordan Howard and right. Matt Breida there, like, right. you thought that it all would have been settled and done, but. It seems like they really have an interest in trying to work him into a, a consistent role. So he's definitely worth the speculative ad. I, I like that pick. 
Yeah, I went I went out and I actually like I I got I got him in almost every league I was in last night. I kind of just went out and you know, I didn't spend an excessive amount of fab on him or anything, but I went out I I acquired him. I tried to I I think he's someone who, you know, maybe if we get down the road here in your week at a, a different position, a tight end or a wide receiver and you you can afford to maybe trade your RB to, maybe you mix in Miles Gaskin with uh kind of like a, an RB2 by committee approach. Uh, maybe it's one week it's Miles Gaskin, maybe one week it's Zach Moss, uh, DeAndre Swift, some of these younger guys who, you know, don't have, they're not superstars, they're not going to have a whole backfield to themselves, but th- they could be an interesting interesting play here, and they could get you anywhere from 7 to 20 points as an RB2. And uh, it, I don't know, and anymore, I, I feel like that after looking around what happened to some of these big-name RBs last week, uh, the Mark Ingrams, the Le'Veon Bells, the James Connors of the world. Uh, Miles Gaskin's looking pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, we should just very briefly. What kind of fab would you spend on him? I it actually is like yeah, now that you mentioned fab, we probably should cover a little bit because you and I are both actively spending fab to get these players right now. Yeah, yeah, we were very active in in most of our leagues. I woke up and I was like. Well, damn, Tom got this guy, this guy, and this guy that I put in <laughs> put in bids for, but I got Miles Gaskin, so who's the real winner? <laughs> but yeah, um, with Miles Gaskin, it was. I think it's gonna again, it's gonna depend on your team. It's gonna depend on your league. If you're very RB heavy right now, I think I think you need to be comfortable spending maybe up to a fourth of of your fab on him. But if if you're or if you're RB needy, that is, I think you need to be comfortable spending maybe up to twenty five percent on him. Because I don't know what other RBs are going to. There'll probably be one that maybe comes out of this week that people really want, but uh, or out of this next week. Um, again, it, it's going to depend how deep I think they're in Tom. Because uh, I'm in some pretty deep leagues, and Miles Gaskin right now, like there is no Joshua Kelly out there. There is no Boston Scott. There is no uh, just any of these guys who kind of really, really like showed up in Week One. Just kind of like like he really seemed like the best running back out there. Um, I actually. For reference, though, I did actually put in a claim for him, and like I think Joshua Kelly's out there in my Scott Fishbowl league, uh, super competitive league with some a lot of industry professionals, and uh, I I think I put like maybe thirty one, thirty one of my hundred on Josh Kelly, and I think I maybe put like low twenties on Miles Gaskin, more because I don't believe I'll get Josh Kelly, but uh, that that's a super RB RB needy league. So, um, Tom, what what do you think? Um, I, I agree with that, definitely. I think, you know, out of a hundred, I would definitely be comfortable. If I'm RB needy, I'm probably whipping out 25, 26 bucks to try to make sure that I have him. Um, if I'm not so RB needy, 10, 15. Yeah, yeah I, I pretty yeah. much agree with your assessment there. Yeah, again, he, he could be nothing, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out here. He's got a tough Buffalo front coming up, but with Devontae Parker down, Albert Wilson, he opted out earlier uh, this season. There's not much left there in Miami. Miles Gaskin could be a big part of it. And Tom, why don't you take us to your second in-scope target coming into week two? Alrighty, alrighty. My second is Paris Campbell. Um, he's a wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Last week, he had nine targets, six receptions, 71 yards, no touchdowns, and he had one rushing attempt for nine yards. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be a consistent like gadget kind of feature with him or not. I doubt it. Um, 
But the nine targets is very appealing to me. He actually led the team in receiving yards, which is very good um, for him. I don't want – this is definitely one where I'm like, don't want people to get overhype on him and go mm-hmm. blowing all their fab here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, T.Y. Hilton has a pretty, pretty big injury history now, you know, for missing time. And he actually got more – he had as many targets as T.Y. Hilton in this game. It's a new quarterback, so you don't know how things are going to shake out. But it seems like there is a pretty good rapport between him and Philip Rivers, which does bode well. Because, you know, how many years have we spent watching Philip Rivers force every kind of ball to Keenan Allen to try to, you know, get the ball up the field? So if Paris Campbell becomes that for him, if he – takes his consistency into week two and week three, this could definitely become the kind of thing where you have a a pretty solid wide receiver three, maybe even a two, just depending on how things break. So he's definitely somebody that I'm interested in. Um, We were just talking about fab value. I think him and Russell Gage, I kind of lumped together where like maybe if I really need wide receivers, Maybe I'll put an offer for 15 on like each of them. Yeah. And then whichever one I get, I'll take. Yeah. But yeah. if I'm not wide receiver heavy, 10 bucks on each. Yeah. I, I usually like to do a few offers, you know what I mean? Like just to make sure that I get at least Someone. one of the two right. of them. Right. Yeah. Tom, um, two things on Paris Campbell for me that really stuck out. Uh, first, man, I, I, I loved Paris Campbell coming into the last season with Andrew Luck. And like, like he was one of my big sleeper candidates coming into last year. And then it, he got injured. Things just didn't come to fruition with the Colts. Uh, so, so that that's super disappointing. And even this year, coming into it, I, I kind of liked him, and I, I, I don't want to say I targeted him him in a couple of leagues, but he was definitely a name who who I liked, but just never came to fruition on any rosters. And then just to see him go out there and do that, I was like, man, that that's what I would, I should have you know kept steady with that one. But my big my big takeaway from here in week one is. You know, we we came into this asking the question: Is Philip Rivers this guy who just throws the slot and checks down to running backs because that's who Philip Rivers is, or is that a system? Is that a system thing with the Chargers? Um, and we found very very clearly because of one Keenan Keenan Allen's performance, two Austin Eckler's performance, uh, that it is not a system thing in over there in Los Angeles and. With the production of Nine Himes, uh, the pass catching of all th- of all the running backs there in Week One for the Colts, uh, Rip Marlon Mack. Sorry, to, that's a tough one, man. That's a, that's a really tough one. Um, yeah, that, yeah. And then you know, with this Paris Camp Campbell, what what happened there in Week One? I I think it is a testament to this is what who Philip Rivers is. And as long as Paris Campbell stays healthy, Tom, I I think you're right, man. I think this guy could be. He could see a wide receiver three, and if if you need a guy, you know maybe throw him in your wide receiver two. Maybe he gets you fifteen points, and I, I could see him going off for, you know, very easily, you know, six for seventy and a touchdown. That that seems like a, a Philip Rivers slot receiver. That sounds like a perfect stat line. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I said, it, it definitely pick him up. Just give him a watch. See how many times Philip Rivers forces him the ball this this next week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I like him a lot better than the, the than the guy I'm about to tell you tell everyone about. <laughs> well, hit me with it. All right, man. 
again, I, I really feel like I'm going with the devil right now, but I've seen some crazy shit in fantasy football the last couple seasons, and I feel like this is uh, no exception to that. I'm going with Corey Davis here as my week one in the scope candidate. Tom, he's a guy that actually, for a couple of our other segments this summer, uh, when we w- went really in the, in the scope for some night vision targets and things like that, uh, Corey Davis was a guy I had on my list, and he just kind of never rose up to the top. Um, because again, I'm, I'm kind of scared to admit it. I, I like Corey Davis this season. He was seven of eight for one Oh one here on Sunday. Uh, you know, he was kind of really the, the, the biggest part of the Titans passing offense. And when you think about it, uh, he has a guy now that he's never had an AJ Brown opposite of him, who is the clear one. Don't get me wrong. AJ Brown is still the clear one, but he has AJ Brown to pull him, you know, pull coverage off of him. And I think Corey D- Davis could be a really solid number two in this league. Uh, you know, we kind of saw it at the end of last season a little bit, heading into the playoffs. He was kind of, again, he kind of ghosted out week one and week two of the playoffs against New England and Baltimore. But he showed up in the AFC Championship game, five for 65 against uh, against the Chiefs when they needed him. But, I mean, I think if the Titans are in the right game script and I think he stays healthy, uh, he's going to be the one to benefit, and I don't. I don't think it's going to be Derrick Henry as much as I had hoped he could get involved in the passing game a little more. And I don't know about AJ Brown right now, Tom. Where do you where do you stand on Corey Davis after Week One, and uh, kind of almost this, uh, this this whole Brown situation too? It was a little bit murky here in Week One. Well, I I was an absolute Corey Davis truther when he was. Coming into the league, you know, I I loved everything about yeah, him as a player. Obviously, things didn't really come come out well for him in his first couple of years there. Um, I, you can try to blame that on Marcus Mariota, but sometimes he just didn't show up. It, it you know it is what it is. Um, it he's is what it done is. he's done better with Tannehill, but I mean even you know last year he wasn't. It wasn't blood. He had a few good games, a few decent games. Sometimes he just didn't really do much. And it, it, everything really looks like it should be A.J. Brown. You know, like right. he should be the one getting all this work. But he didn't. He just didn't do it. And I don't really see a reason why necessarily. I don't know. It's concerning. It's a good news for Corey Davis. I'm trying to not let myself get too excited right yeah yeah because you know what i mean like it could finally be happening like he could get that breakout moment get his bump and and he's just off to the races i mean clearly you know the offense runs through derrick henry more often than not Mm -hmm. but in close games when they're still fighting it out or in games where they're in a negative game script and they got to air it out i really like what this denver game how it says for Corey davis going forward I mean, seven of eight for 101. No touchdown. If he gets eight, if he gets seven receptions every week, he's going to get touchdowns. And touchdowns you know? have, have actually historically been one of his his brighter spots. We've seen a lot of games where he's you know gone, caught two ca- catches for you know 24 yards and a touchdown. I feel like it's a very Corey Davis like stat line. Yeah, I mean, he's bigger than A.J. Brown, so when you get in the red zone, he's the guy you want to fade the ball to. You know, he's the person that you're trying to get in some space or get a contested catch and let him let him win one. So I, I'm really, I, I really am excited. I'm trying to not be too excited because I don't want it. <laughs> but but I, yeah, he's, 
his his usage was was shocking in the best way. I think for for this game, there is a chance, and I'm I'm again I'm just throwing it out to a chance, and I'm probably gonna say, uh, you know maybe a ten percent chance, five percent chance, but there is some chance that Corey Davis could be a lighter version of what Devontae Parker was last season. You know, we haven't seen it from him. We haven't seen consistency as an NFL wide receiver, as a fantasy asset uh, for your teams. But I don't know. He's a guy out there. He he pretty much he didn't get claimed in any leagues I was in. He's still he still might be out there. I know in some deeper leagues he's owned. But uh, yeah, if you're out there in a 12, 10 team PPR league uh, and you need a receiver, go, go check him out, man. I think he's he's someone to keep in mind here as we head into week two. And speaking of week two, Tom, we're gonna give. Our listeners, uh, we're going to round it out here, give our listeners a little bit of weekly advice to make the most out of their week two here on Thursday and on Sunday. Sounds great to me. Who doesn't love some good advice? Weekly. My bit of advice going into week two, um, I took a good hose in this this first week here. I lost in two out of three leagues that I like care about and play in right now. Um, so that's always a big bummer, especially because I got pretty blown out in both of them. No lies. Um, no cap. So yeah. So I want everyone to remember to. Take it easy. It's week one. There's no reason to get sad and dejected. You know, it sucks. Taking an L always sucks, but it happens. It is not the end of the world. Please don't, you know, please don't, you know, I have Joe Mixon on a team, two teams. He got me five points this week, okay? Don't rage drop Joe Mixon. I have him on, I have him on, three, I have him on three teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't do anything stupid or rash. Just be chill. He's going to be fine. Just You're going to be easy, fine. Man. You're going to win your week two games. Just take it easy, man. <laughs> yeah, just take it easy. Okay, settle down out there. I see the people on Twitter just yeeting their phones out the window. <laughs> man, I have some people in my league. Uh, I mean – one of one of my one of my friends he he has Michael Thomas, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner. So I mean he's, but he ended up he ended up eating out a win in the Shitter Bowl uh, to another friend who just like didn't have a good week and he always has good teams. So he, they're like both like eating and like trading Michael Thomas and you know getting getting real crazy all off the start. And yeah, I agree with Tom here. Just just don't don't eat your phones. Uh, keep it keep it in check here, guys. I know it's crazy. I've been offering a lot of trades lately, so like, but still, keep it in check. Uh, we we only have one week of information. We need a more a, a larger sample size here. Um, and I I think I think that kind of rolls nicely into my uh, first bit of advice here this week, which is know when to be content. Uh, as humans, Tom, I, I have this issue. I don't know if you have this issue, but I in both in life and fantasy football, I, I'm not always content. I always think I can do better at something, and uh, like. I, I was kind of on the opposite spectrum a little bit. Like I, I think I'm I'm in seven leagues. I won in five of them, and but like in, even in those leagues I won, I, I just keep looking at my team like, oh, how can I make this better? You know what I mean? How can I make this better? 
And, you know, I think a lot of times, sometime early on in the season, uh, we see people going off on other people's teams and we see people doing bad on other people's teams and we want to either, you know, we want to buy the hype or we want to buy low. And, but honestly, a lot of the times the best way to improve your team early on here is just being caught up with waivers, being caught up with free agency, uh, kind of just making those moves when you need to. So yeah, that would be, that'd be my, my first piece of advice here. Just know when to be content. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, it, as far as like it's fantasy, it's great, you know, personal advice too, because it can definitely cause you a lot of anxiety and stress to not, you know, undo anxiety and stress mm-hmm. to not know when to be content. But fantasy wise too, it's like, I, I mean, it's so easy to over tinker with your team and end up, you know, losing out on a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, what uh, what piece of advice do you have to kind of round us out here? Um, I think my kind of like a apparently, you know, a similar advice to my other one, um, kind of a tie in a little bit. But if you are losing, you know, even if this is advice, you know, to trickle into next week, too, if, if you take another L next <laughs> week, like I'm just saying it's it's. I I want you to take your energy, your anger, like people want to tilt. So I want to teach people how to not tilt so hard, (laughs) you know, mastering your own energy here, turn it into something constructive. You know, if, if you're on the tilt, if you start to feel yourself getting there, if you get there quick and you're here now after week one, just turn that energy into something good. You know, Michael Thomas, if if he ends up being out for a little while or you can't use him, Le'Veon Bell, whatever, slap him in your IR spot, do your homework, and go go in your waivers. You know, like just get that Russell Gage, it, baby. Yeah, get Russell Gage. That's Sammy what I'm Watkins, saying. Like Corey Davis. We went over like four wide receivers. <laughs> right. This this episode alone, like you can go and fill in for those coming weeks. Good matchups, good potential. You know, I mean, it's not going to be Michael Thomas. No one's going <laughs> to try to lie to you there, right, but right, right. You can you can eke out those wins. You can keep your team steady and strong. You don't win and lose your your league at the draft. You win and lose it on the waivers and through trades and Start through sits. the season. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if if you feel that tilt, I find for me the best thing to do is to flip that energy back around, take the you know saltiness. And just turn it into production. And even if even if, if you can master it, if you get so angry that you just can't, turn it into something constructive in your actual life, too. Like, just go angry mode the lawn. Go for a run. You know, yeah, go for a run. Go lift some weights. What, whatever you need to do. Tom, but, Tom I love it, man. I love it, dude. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely feel this. And uh, I feel like a lot of times, too, on fantasy football teams uh, we get so caught up and with you know the injuries and everything that happens and you know we, we get so caught up in the name value and the picture next to next to the name in our starting lineup like I mean I've seen people win I, I've been beaten in championships of competitive leagues with with uh CJ Anderson and uh geez uh whatever the McGuire from the Jets a couple years ago like like, like it doesn't the names don't matter it just matters about the points baby so let's, let's <laughs> i know that's so true let's go man let's go i like it and I, I guess i'll just round us out here uh one one more final piece of advice for you here something i've realized a lot in my life this season already is uh tom you wrote about this in our 50 tips and it was be inclusive in, in our leagues in our discussions and 
Uh, you know, my I just recently got my girlfriend into fantasy football this season. Tom got his wife into fantasy football this season as well, I think. Uh, we have a couple other friends who significant others are also kind of just getting in on the fun. And, man, it has been a blast. Yeah, it, it definitely has. I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting experience to navigate. Just, you know, playing the game with people who don't necessarily adore the sport quite as much, but, right. like, are interested. Because, you know, you want to... You want them to end up liking it more, so you put in effort, and, and I, I don't know. It's just it's just a fun way to experience the game. It is, it is, yeah. And I think that's I think that's something, uh, you know, to remember in all aspects of our lives too is just uh, be inclusive wherever you can be, be nice to people, don't be don't be taken like Russell Gage, off the off the <laughs> waiver wire in front of your boy Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no lie, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When we were talking about Paris Campbell, I saw that he survived the waivers on uh, my league side. Are you, I picked uh, him up while we were talking. What? <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Yep. All right. So, yeah, there we go again. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode uh, full of a bunch of hijinks, some fun, maybe even some fantasy advice in there as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, we got some more content coming out for you this week. If you're tuning in, if you like us, thank you. Uh but we, we got a lot of cool stuff coming out. We got columns out every day uh, running from Tuesday to Saturday. We got a NASCAR fantasy football column coming out on Saturdays. That's That's been a fun time. Uh, Tom's got a column coming out this week. Uh, I got columns coming out every week. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we're doing live streams. If we can get the audio to work this week, uh, just another <laughs> awesome hiccup to deal with. But that's the fun and what we get to do every day. So uh, we, we're going to have a live, a live stream on Sunday, Sunday brunch. Make sure you check that out. We got a lot of stuff going on here at In Between Media, Tom. I'm pumped up for this season, man. Uh, thank you again for being here, Tom. It's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely, dude. This is always a joy. This is <laughs> just a fun way to spend an hour or two a week. Hey, it's what we love, man, and we're doing what we love every day. Thanks for tuning in again. Stay in between out there, folks, and we'll be back next week on another episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's go! Weekly. Weekly.